Hello and welcome to Spin It, the podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm going to be your host today. My name is James, and with me, as always, but you don't know that yet because this is the first episode we've recorded, with me is Connor. Say hi to the people. hey Do you have a name you want to be called? Like, I'm I'm the, the music expert. You could be like the music savant. The savant? That, that's going to give people the wrong impression about my musical tastes and abilities. I don't know, maybe. You could call me the uh, the the music enthusiast. The music enthusiast. Well, <laughs> oh, wait, was that your name? Did I just steal your name? I wasn't paying no, attention. No, <laughs> no. Okay, I don't know how we're going to uh, slice that up. We'll have to do something. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> anyway, uh, you may be wondering what this podcast is that you've just clicked on and why you're even here listening to it in the first place. So let me tell you a little bit about our vision for what this podcast is and what you're about to experience. You tell. Yeah, I will tell. Ever since 2017, I've been listening to somewhere around four or more albums every month, trying to just to consume new music, to learn about new songs and add new stuff to my listening repertoire. And a while back, I decided I wanted to rank all the albums that I'd ever listened to, just to see what I had liked the most, what I liked the least, what I was vibing with, what I wasn't vibing with. I, I did the list, I put it aside for a long time. And when I came back to it, I realized that I actually disagreed with most of my own rankings as time passed. So I decided to start scoring albums in different categories, right? Based on the music, the lyrics, the the way it was produced, like the overall vibe of it. So I started giving each album numerical scores and ranking them that way. So that's pretty much what this podcast is. It's me who has listened to these albums dozens of times and kind of knows them inside and out. Telling Connor about these records. I know nothing. Yeah, he knows nothing about them. He's <laughs> a first-timer. Yeah, I uh, listened to the album for the first time in its entirety yesterday, so I've been ingesting this for about 24 hours at this point. I don't really do albums. It's not my way of listening to music. I have favorite songs that I just throw on a loop and listen to the same like 12 songs in a row from different artists over and over and over until I get bored with them. The last time I listened to an album probably was... was yesterday. Yesterday, right before this. <laughs> well, all right. Well, not counting for this episode. Uh, before listening to this album, it was like a decade ago, I listened to a whole album in its entirety. My goodness. That seems like such a long time. Yeah. So you're more of a mixtape and singles listener. I'm more of a, a cover to cover. Mixtape. Yeah. Can I be the mixtaper? Can that be my name? I'm the mixtaper. It sounds like I'm like a bad, like, C-list villain. Yeah. The mixtaper. You know, that, (laughs) sure, that works. We can roll with that. So, uh, anyway, for this inaugural test episode of the podcast that, you know, you may or may not ever get to hear, if you are hearing my voice right now, that means we've actually put it somewhere and done something with it, so congratulations, you're one of the few, the lucky few. (laughs) For this test episode, we decided to talk about Walls by Kings of Leon. We figured that's a good album to to get kickstarted. That's one that Connor has no idea about. And it's one that I really like personally. I I would say I'm 90% certain I've never actively listened to a single Kings of Leon song. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard them just around, but actively makes sense. So I suppose we we ought to dig a little bit into Kings of Leon, who they are. Yeah, tell me who they are. Okay, so Kings of Leon, they are locals of my new hometown, Nashville, Tennessee. And it's a band made up of three brothers, right? Caleb, Nathan, and Jared Followill, and their cousin, Matthew Followill. So it's a four-person band, pretty standard. Uh, Caleb is the one that does the lead vocals. The rest of them do background vocals and stuff like that. So they were formed here in 1999, but their first album, Youth and Young Manhood, didn't come out until 2003. 
So they've been around the block for quite some time now, 18 years. You know, Kings of Leon, they have graduated high school as a band. That's how old they are. Yeah, okay. That, that tracks. Weird weird analogy. Well, you know, people say like, <laughs> oh, it's learned how to drive or something when it turns 16 or like it can drink when it's 21. Either way. Fair enough. They're almost there. In terms of awards and accolades, Kings of Leon, they've earned 12 Grammy nominations and four wins in those 18 years. So they've seen their fair amount of success in the commercial sense. They've kind of got like a blues rock background. You're just saying words at me. I don't. I have no idea what, <laughs> what, what blues rock. Like, come on now. Okay, all right, fair enough. <laughs> so now we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Walls specifically. Yes. Walls, the title is actually an acronym. I had no idea. Okay, I'm going to interrupt you because when telling me about them, you told me that all of their albums, they had a cool little unwritten rule that they did for naming their titles and that this one was actually an acronym. And so the entire time I was listening to it, I was just trying to figure out what that acronym could be. Yeah. I settled on We All Love Licking Stamps is what I uh, settled on. Yeah. You got some of those words correct. Which is impressive. <laughs> is it stamps? It's, it? No, stamps wasn't the right word. <laughs> so Kings of Leon, yeah, they like to make all of their album titles five syllables. Walls is actually an acronym for We Are Like Love Songs. Oh, okay. That would explain the amount of love songs on, on this album. Yeah. Well, you got the we and you got the love in a different place. You were you were close. I think mine's better. Well, Okay. <laughs> So this record was Kings of Leon's seventh full-length album. It was released in October of 2016. Not that old. Yeah, little old. It was actually five years between when they released this album and then when they released their next album, which came just this year, actually, just a month or two ago. That's crazy. It is crazy, I know. It's a long hiatus for any band. In terms of awards that this album has won, Walls did hit number one on the Billboard's Top 100. It's really made its own way up the charts. People like it. People like walls. That's true. People do. That'd be a cool slogan. Kings of Leon, if you're listening, you can have that one for free. You're welcome. Yeah, that one's on us. So let's talk a little bit about the cover art before we start digging into the content of the album. Oh, and also, if you haven't yet listened to Walls yourself and you want a little context for this discussion that's upcoming, you can go ahead and like pause this, listen to it, and come back. If you want to listen to this first and then listen to Walls so you know what you're listening to, you can do that. That way you can yell and scream about how wrong we are as you're listening. Yeah, feel free to disagree with us. You probably will. Yeah, we're just two dudes <laughs> talking about things we may or may not know about. Definitely don't. You know, music is super subjective. But anyway, go take a listen to the album if you haven't. So we're talking about cover art on this album. And if you haven't seen it, it's the four band members' heads, and they look very shiny. They look like plastic. Like, yeah. almost like Ken doll-style shine to them. Yeah, that's a good... They look like Ken dolls, and they're kind of in a diamond shape, like in this pool of milk or glue. <laughs> okay, I'm so glad that you also thought it was milk. Okay, okay, wonderful. What else am I supposed to... I mean, that's what it looks like. I looked at this album cover, because I wanted to see what the album cover art was like, so that I could like keep it in the back of my mind while I was listening. And so then the entire time I was listening, I couldn't stop thinking that it just looked like they were floating in a giant cereal bowl filled with milk. Yeah. And that their face was like the last four little pieces of cereal that like you're trying to get out with the spoon. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's really accurate. What do you make of that in relation to like the music on the album? What What is this? 
I did think that it does kind of fit the somber ballad style stuff that went along with this album. I mean, it, it's very stoic, I guess, their faces, much like some of the themes throughout the songs. I, it matches in that regard, but not until you've heard the songs. Like, if I was just look at this, I would be very confused. Yeah, it's not necessarily a cover that makes you want to pick the album up off the shelf. And it has nothing to do with walls. No, there's not a wall on it. Well, and I don't know, maybe we're looking at it from like a weird perspective. Maybe this is a milk wall instead of a instead of a milk floor, I guess. <laughs> I was just going to let you finish saying what you were saying right there. Cause it made no sense. <laughs> no, it didn't. I'm going to move on. The next little bit that we're going to get into here is maybe going to be interesting. What we've done is Connor has prepared... I'm excited. I didn't even say what it is yet. I'm sorry. I jumped the gun. I was very excited. Connor has looked up a lot of facts and trivia knowledge about Kings of Leon. So many facts. And he's also made up some facts. He's also going to be spinning some of his own (laughs) facts. He's going to tell those to me, and I'm going to have to try and suss out what's real and what's fake about Kings of Leon. Yes, and I have no idea your familiarity with them and their career, so you may do really well with this or not. It's, I'd say it's limited. I know a little bit about them. Like, I know they sponsor Nashville's Hot Chicken and Whiskey Festival every summer. That was a great segue into my first fact. Supposed fact, at least. Mm -hmm. Let's hear it. The first fact is, their dad used to use pepper fumes to clear a room. Take that, digest it for a second, and hit me with some questions. Yeah, to clear a room for, for what? Like, just to get people out of it? Like, if he wanted to be in there by himself? Yeah, specifically teenagers. I guess the boys back in their youthful days. In their youth and young manhood. Yeah, they would throw some pretty wild parties as teenagers. And when their dad decided the party was over, he would go and put jalapenos in the microwaves. And the fumes would burn people's eyes and make them vacate the premises. Oh, in the microwave? Yeah. That's going to make all the food you microwave forever taste like jalapenos. Maybe he really likes jalapenos. I want to know how it didn't make him vacate the premise. Like, does he have a pepper immunity? A high pepper tolerance in the eyes, I think. Yeah. So to me, my initial thought is this is a believable thing. That would clear out a room, definitely. (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to have to go with that being true, if only because I don't think there's any reason. Like, how would you make that up? (laughs) Listen, you'll see. I mean, you're going to say that about some of the ones I did make up, hopefully. (laughs) Okay, so this one is true then. This one is indeed true. Ding, ding. Uh, You know, I threw an easy one at you first. That's good. I'm one for one. Yeah, you're one for one. Here we go. Next one. We're going to jump into the future here. And talk about them making their eighth album. Their eighth album was the first time ever that the four Follow Will Boys did not get in any fist fights during the recording sessions. Fist fights? Mm-hmm. Physical fist fights. Yeah. So I know Walls doesn't sound like this necessarily, but some of their earlier stuff that you are unfamiliar with definitely has a I want to punch everyone in the face today kind of. <laughs> it has that energy. So I can totally understand. And they're brothers, they're cousins, right? They're roughhouse, they're related. Sure, sure. I don't think there's a single song on walls, at least, that would like lend itself to fist fighting. Who won the fist fights? Who was the better fighter? I stumbled across this fact in an interview with their guitarist, Caleb, who was talking about how they get drinking, as one probably does during the recording. They get squabbling over the way to record something or whether or not they need to do another take. And being boys who all grew up together, they naturally settled most of those arguments with their fists. 
But they claim they're now getting too old. They have kids of their own, and they're leaving this squabbling to them now. Letting clearer heads prevail. Okay, I think you've spun this one a little bit. I think this one's fake, and I think it's true for some of the earlier albums. I totally believe they got into fistfights. I think they probably stopped getting in fistfights before the last album they released, right? Is this one fake? This one is not fake it is true no way really part of me wonders if some of the fist fights happened because maybe they weren't together as much i don't know when did when did you say the eighth album came out the eighth album came out in 2021 yeah so you know they would have been recording a lot during the covid time so maybe they spent so much time apart during covid that the anger didn't build up as much when they were together i don't know it's possible and with a five-year hiatus i mean that's plenty of time to let things cool down yes interesting that's crazy my next fact is the band got lost in Wisconsin during their Walls tour. I assume they would all tour on a bus or in a caravan of buses, right? When did this happen? Allegedly. Allegedly. Hypothetically speaking, when did this happen? Hypothetically, if this happened, <laughs> when was this? Uh, Yeah, well, it was, you know, it, it would have been, I didn't write down the tour date that would have been a great thing to write down yeah that would have been uh i I have where the tour or where the show was uh (laughs) they were on their way to milwaukee wisconsin for a show that was their uh first wisconsin show they flew in you know the buses all drove whatever but they were flying from a completely different state so they they flew in but the flight got delayed which already made them late for rehearsal and on the way to the arena the driver took a wrong turn and didn't realize it i don't know if he why he wanted to have been using gps or whatever but he wasn't i guess that's why I asked what year it was. I don't know. Well, I don't know when Walt. I forget when Walls came out. You definitely said it already. Walls is 2016. Walls came out in 2016, so it would have been 2016 probably. They got there so late that they got there 40 minutes before the concert was supposed to start. That's insane. Yeah, and they actually were able to start relatively on time with only a 15-minute delay to when they were supposed to go on. That's incredible because I sat here for more than 40 minutes to do my own sound setup before this podcast. Well, I assume like all their people probably took care of that while they weren't there, right? Still helpful. They are professionals also, and we're just... (laughs) The opposite of professional. Right. What do you call that? (laughs) I... You haven't given me a false fact yet. It's true. But I do three truths in a row? Yes. Just to mess with my head. I think this one, I gotta give it a true. It's just... It just seems too likely. This fact is spun. This is not a true fact. I made it up. You spun this. Completely made it up. I specifically went and looked to make sure that they went to Wisconsin for their Walls tour, just in case you had familiarity with it. Just in case I somehow knew. They did go perform in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but I didn't write down the date. Yeah, the date was, I I really should have been more suspicious because you didn't have the date. Yeah, yeah. Well, shoot. Okay, I'll take the loss on that one. That was a good convincing fact. I'm not at the top of my game. The band made technological history. Oh. Is that it? Okay, is that the fact? Yeah, that's the opening sentence, yeah. (laughs) I'm going to make a dig for it. I'm going to need more than the opening sentence to determine that that's true. What technological history did they make? Uh, What's your guess, if you have to make a guess? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Technological history. It's something we've talked about outside of this podcast. Interesting. I honestly 
can't even think of anything. I'm, I'm going to spill the beans. I'm going to spill the beans. The band became the first to sell a newly released album in the form of a non-fungible token, which is a type of cryptocurrency that contains unique assets, such as music and art. The, the release came in three different types of tokens. Uh, they had three different packages. They called it the NFT yourself. NFT yourself. It is because the album is called When You See Yourself. So it's a play on that. That's clever. Uh-huh. I think I heard about this in the news. and They contained a special album package, uh, a live show package, and an audio-visual package were your three choices of NFTs. That's really interesting. Do you know how many of those they released for people to buy? Like, how many were available? At least one. Well, yeah. Yeah, it would be at least <laughs> one. Imagine if they released <laughs> zero. Hey, we're selling NFTs, and there are none of them. We're, his- we're making history innovative you know that's so 21st century but is it true you say you think you heard about this on the news huh i definitely heard about nft yourself i i think this one's true yeah yeah this one's true this one's true i had i figured of all of them this would be the one you'd heard of especially since we talked about nfts not too long ago anyway so that's factor spin i think that's pretty fun i i did not do great but i think it's fun Fun stuff. All right, so let's dig into the meat of the album. Let's get into, first we'll talk about the music, the instruments, the production, the background for the lyrics. Yeah. What did you think about this album? I guess just in general, as a whole. This isn't your type of music, is it? Well, it's not my usual type of music, no. I actually made a note because, again, I listened to the album one time, that's it, and just made notes as I listened to it. Mm -hmm. But one note I made as I was listening was that several of these songs would be songs I would just put on for white noise if I wanted something playing, but I didn't want to get distracted by it. Uh, Which, you know, isn't like a rip on Kings of Leon. They're not the kind of music I listen to actively. But this album in particular, this might have been, it sounds like, one of the best ones to give me because it is so ballad heavy and ballad songs and love songs slow song stuff are my typical type of music so i did enjoy that there was a ton of ballads on this album yeah i really like the way the album is kind of structured right where it starts with these big songs like waste the moment and around the world like it starts big and then when you hit that track five ish right right around over everything slows down and you get a middle section that's really ballad heavy, really introspective. Yeah, yeah. It kind of helps tie the beginning and the end together in a way that isn't just filler. It really has weight to it. Yeah, and I also enjoy that they weren't just the same mixture of you know sound over and over in slightly different ways. I feel like there's a tendency, at least to my novice ears, for that to happen with this style of music, that they kind of blend together too much. And that didn't happen on this one. Each song was distinct in its own way. Yeah, and that's actually a thing that I kind of wanted to talk about because what I would notice when I was listening is a lot of these chords kind of play off of two chords, right? They'll they'll alternate between one chord and another chord, and that'll kind of be the progression for at least an intro, maybe a verse. I noticed it a lot on Waste a Moment. I noticed it on Around the World. It comes up several other times, you know, that, that repetition. Interesting. But I think what's interesting about the way that they do it is it's the instrumentation exactly that makes that not get boring and not get repetitive. The whole album feels really cohesive because it relies on that pattern so much, but they find ways to mix it up with new guitar riffs and new like choirs in the background. Like It's very sonically distinct, even though they're kind of musically similar. 
That's a lot. Uh, this is why I'm glad we're doing this podcast because you used to just tell me about these things without us recording them, and I was I'd always just get so interested listening to you talk about all that because yeah, I listen to this, I go, oh, music make my ears happy, and then you're like, oh, but look at how the chord structure goes and how they repeat. It's just a completely different way you ingest this music, and I love listening to it. And it's nice that you actually have listened to the album now, and I'm not just talking at you. And you have no point of reference. <laughs> yes, it is helpful. So that's nice, too. I'm glad that I have an excuse to talk your ear off about stuff. I had a couple notes musically from some of the songs. Let's look here. Yeah, hit me. I want to know what you really liked and what you didn't like, frankly. I think we're going to have some interesting clashes of opinion on this. I think so, too. The music, since we're just talking about music right now, I, I enjoyed the music on just about every song. Where it would get me is more into the vibe and the lyrics side of things, where I didn't like the way it was executed or some of the lyrics were a bit repetitive, things like that. But musically, I enjoyed most of these songs, um, especially Muchacho. That came out of nowhere. <laughs> I just wrote, my first note was, well, this is abrupt. Well, I wouldn't, I don't know how abrupt... Because they try and lower you down to its level with over beforehand a little bit. It just hit me out of nowhere. Well, over so slow and such ballady, and then they hit you with this weird salsa swing vibe that just nowhere else in the album. And I loved it. With the claves, right? It starts with that little clave click and you go, oh. Yeah, it just hit me out of nowhere. You go from like this somber fade out on over to just some claves hitting it up. And it's like, whoa. Yeah, it's a little bit of whiplash. I wasn't expecting it. It took me by surprise. And it, it, it was a fun song. Fun, I guess, in terms of its difference. Right. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I hit this one. And in my own notes, I called this one kind of the deep breath of the album, right? Okay. It's where you take a moment away from these ripping guitar solos and stuff. Yeah. Wild had a great chorus hit. Wild. It really got me. It made my it made my ears smile. I want to tell you why that is in a technical sense that you don't know about. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Hit me with it. Kings of Leon is with their like blues type roots. A lot of things that you'll hear from them are super focused around what's called the tonic note, which is the one note of the chord, the bass note. That's kind of what everything is built around. And this song is in the key of e which you know that's a rock and roll key yeah that's a big for rock musicians on wild what i love is that very first note that he sings when he comes in on the verse that chord is like a suspended second five chord so it's not the root chord it's the fifth and that totally changes the entire vibe of the verse i don't know if you noticed the verse never hit the one chord it never hit the root and when that chorus comes in for the first time is the first time since the intro that they resolve back to the e and that's what makes it hit so big oh my is gosh. because it's back to the tonal center that you've kind of been hovering around but never touching in the verse. Wow. Yeah, I I really gained a deeper appreciation for Wild gearing up for this. Yeah, it's like I know key changes. I know notes and things like that. I was in band. When it comes to chords and stuff, you start to lose me and you talk about tonal, whatever. I, I think you're just making up words as you talk to me. But, you know, you explain it all and it makes sense. Yeah, keep an ear out for it next time and, and you'll notice that he starts on a weird note in relation to the scale. I wish I knew it better. That's fair. Let's bring music to a close here with just your pick one musical moment that stood out to you above all the others. One, I guess not moment maybe, but element. One element. <laughs> I think I'm going to stick with the wild chorus hit. It was probably my favorite musical hit in the entire album. Yeah, it's it's big. And they hold it off right till track nine, almost the end of the record. I think what did it for me in this entire album was the bass, honestly. Bass, yes. The bass was nailed. On so many tracks, the bass is 
thumping. They've got a lot of really clever hooks. It's important too to a to a bluegrass rock style. Well, not bluegrass rock, but like blues rock. Well, whatever you want to call There's it. There's a difference, but it is important. I don't understand. I don't listen. I, I tried to sound smart there. It didn't work. That's okay. Yeah, no, the bass in so many of these songs, it sometimes is really in the foreground and really like something you can pick out. And sometimes it's just very subtle in the back. But I think it always takes them to the next level. And it is like the singular piece that most connects them to their roots. Interesting. Want to move on to lyrics specifically? Yeah, so let's go on to lyrics. Like I mentioned earlier a little bit, this album really is a little more abstract with (laughs) lyrics. Yeah, it is. So I'm interested to get your take (laughs) on that. You said you loved all the music, but before so i want to hear what the butt is here with yeah i think i have a lyrics note on just about every track so i'm just gonna rapid fire hit you with them and then you can ask more questions about any of them sure and then we're gonna go out of order because some of them i know are gonna pique your interest we're gonna start with reverend track number two uh love the verses but i hated the repetitive lyrics in the chorus it was just so repetitive oh that's so interesting because what i wrote down is i actually love the way that the chorus shifts from in the first half of the chorus, it goes, your heart will never say it, so your heart will never let it go. And then the second half of the chorus is, my heart will never. And I think that little subtle change... Yeah, yeah. I think I just heard never let it go too many times to appreciate that as much. There's another song where they did something similar and I loved it. But I think I just heard the chorus words too many times. They lost all meaning. Interesting. Around the World, another one where it was just so freaking repetitive. Three-fourths of the song is the lyrics all around the world. Around the world, all <laughs> around the world. They say that yeah. over and over the entire song. I was like, come on, I love the beat. Fun fact about Around the World, Daft Punk and Red Hot Chili Peppers both have songs by that title that I enjoy. Is that one that you've spun? Do I have to guess again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but when I saw that title, I was like, oh, I know two other songs like that. This one actually is probably my second favorite. I think Red Hot Chili Peppers still hold the number one spot, but it beat up Daft Punk's. Wow. (laughs) On Find Me, uh, initial thoughts were that I thought this would be a love song about their love finding them, but now I kind of think it's a song about someone following you. All the lyrics felt like maybe somebody was being followed. They're like, how did you find me? You're up in the shadow, out in the dark. I want to know your name know who you are oh goodness you know it's just a bunch of like it sounds like they're like who are you why are you following me see that's not (laughs) what i took from it at all at one point they go i can't escape i mean i was like come on yeah for me find me it felt like a love song of oh i know what i have and yet also i'm still amazed that i have it and don't understand what it is at all yeah this song perplexed me so much i was curious to see what this song was actually about uh it's actually about falling in love with a ghost falling with a with a ghost <laughs> Uh, it's inspired by Caleb's wife, who thought her L.A. hotel was haunted. Okay. But yeah, it's actually about falling in love with a ghost, apparently. What I will say about Find Me is I think it has my least favorite lyric on the record. Oh, really? Yeah. At one point, they used the line, day after day, turn to gray. Yeah. And I just don't like turn to gray at the end of that. Like, you might as well have just said after day again. <laughs> turn to gray feels like it's trying to accomplish something in a clever way that's really not that clever and is really not that accomplished. Muchacho, uh, I really want that song to be him just talking to a fox based solely on the lyric, cut him some slack fox. As soon as I heard that, I was like, all right, he's talking to a fox. Yeah, I think he may have taken that one a little too literally. Uh. <laughs> 
Yeah, conversation piece was great. That's the one uh, talking back up at Reverend. Conversation piece nailed the reversal from take me back to California at the beginning to get me out of California at the end. They nailed that. I really like this, the mixture that conversation piece presents of that longing and then also that critique of it. Like, oh, yeah. I highlighted the line, take me back to California versus the part later on in the song where he goes, they've got nothing left to live for. They'll be dead before they wake. It really takes this sad turn and it ends on the get me out of california like it's the full circle kind of yeah again this song based on caleb and his wife again i believe her moving to california with him when they were working on the album and then deciding to leave because california wasn't a good fit so that's kind of why they're talking about coming and going from california eyes on you didn't have much to say about that one other than it would be a great song from the perspective of a spider from a spider because it's got so many eyes <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then Walls, I just spent the entire song trying to see if any of the lyrics... Spelled out W-A-L-L-S. Yeah, none of them did. Oh, what was your... You skipped over over? What, let's go back to over. Yeah, I skipped over over and waste of a moment. Which one do you want to hear first? I want to hear over. Over, Um, it had my favorite lyrical moment in the entire album. Okay, yeah. What, what was that? Them echoing the previous verse during the music break was very cool. Oh, really? Where they chopped up all the pieces and then stuck them together in different ways? Uh, yeah, well, it's like the guitar, bass, or whatever is doing it, its little solo thing. And then you can just hear almost in the background just the echo of them singing lyrics from the previous verses. Yeah, it's so ethereal. Yeah, it, yeah. Almost almost like you're imagining it. Mm -hmm. I had to turn it up to make sure I wasn't crazy. The lyrics I was reading along with as I was listening didn't even list what those were. Oh, pulling the lyrics up. That would have been a good idea. Yeah, that might have helped. I was doing my best. Well, you had... <laughs> doing my best. <laughs> you had a lot to process going through it for the first time. Yeah. And then Waste of a Moment. I, I Again, this was the first song. Very beginning. You know, very first experience. Your first, your very first exposure to Kings of Leon here. I made it like one line in and had to pause. <laughs> yeah. What got you? Was it the rabbit on the chain? No, it's whatever line where they're talking about going from Waco to Weho. I was like, where is Waco and Weho? What is this? I had to look it up. Well, I knew, I knew Waco. <laughs> Waco, the city in Texas. I didn't. Waco. Yeah. Yeah. I was with you. I didn't know Weho. Weho is, I guess, West Hollywood. I had to look it up. I did the same thing. I heard them say Weho, Waho, whatever they said. I just couldn't get Waluigi out of my head. Just Waho. Like, that's all I had the whole time. Well, thanks. You've ruined it for me now, too. <laughs> the entire rest of the song, I'm just imagining, like, Waluigi singing it. <laughs> well, since that's the first track on the album, I'm going to take a quick minute and go over my lyrical highlights. Yeah, take it away. I really love a lot of the individual lines in this album. And on this song specifically, that second line always hits me really hard. Drove a little slick car to tend bar with the static on her brain. That's got such a nice rhythm to it. Such a good punch. It does. My other note for that song was love the cadence. It was a great cadence. My favorite line in Reverend, I, like I talked about, I like the change in the chorus from your heart to my heart. But I also really love the line in the first verse, crushed by the crown of the wondering man who was never coming back. There's a lot of consonants in that line, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of repeating sounds that crushed by the crown. It's got that internal rhyme with the line before it. Because it rhymes with, you know, cut down and crushed by the crown. Yeah. It was unique. The way that the, the rhymes and the rhythms kind of all came together on that one. The lyrics that caught me on over 
some really, really good ones hidden in there. Yeah. There's a part in the verse where he goes, the roles we play together, the slaps across my face, I face the music, you write the scene. I just really like that, this together imagery, Mm -hmm. and then slapping the face, the dissonance there. It's a line that does a lot of legwork all on its own. Yeah. And it's put together in a really creative parallel kind of way. The chorus also on over is super striking, the simplicity of it. Mm -hmm. It's just one line, don't say it's over anymore. And I think that really works in the song's favor, because at the core of the song is just that kind of cry that that's like the singular longing of the song. And Mm -hmm. I think just having it be one line, like that's all it needs to say. Mm -hmm. Oh, on Wild, my favorite lyric that I'm taking from Wild uh, is the shape of the light comes streaming in harsh enough to see it through. There's something in the air and the water tonight rising from the best of you. It's very visual. The shape of the light, right? A lot of imagery just feels so mystical, so bewildering, which I guess brings us to the themes of the whole album. So for me, this album almost plays like a concept record. Yeah, it does. I called it, it's almost like a study on perspective and happiness and desire and vulnerability because each of these songs kind of goes through those phases. Yep, yep. I really like the ways that some of these songs take you through moments that are good and force you to see the bad in them. And then some of them take moments that are bad and kind of impose good on them. I agree. I absolutely agree. Walls as a closing song, really does a good job of ditching that. That's interesting. Well, ditching that in a good way, right? So for the rest of the album, we have the the good and bad songs, like Over, which is about a man who has killed himself and doesn't want things to be over, like remembering the good times in spite of this bad thing that's happened, like Muchacho, which is about the death of their old art director and how he was such a good friend to them, like seeing good things through bad circumstances or bad things in good circumstances like we had in Eyes on You and Conversation Peace and Around the World. Walls, as a closing track, just kind of lets things be the way that they are. It abandons that forced perspective, and it kind of just says, this is where I've been, what I've experienced, and how things are. Like, it's really blunt. That's interesting, because I had the opposite opinion. Really? I was kind of sad that for the title track, and they just ditched the vibe that they had put on the entire rest of the album. I actually made a note that I thought Conversation Piece would have been a better album title because of this exact thing where they're like highlighting the good and the bad and they're taking you through these different moments. I felt Conversation Piece actually would have been a better album title and it's still five syllables, so it would have worked. Still five syllables. Yeah, that actually, I guess, would have made a lot of sense, wouldn't it? (laughs) Okay, so to that end, do you think instead of Walls being, you know, the last song that's actually about Walls, Do you think We Are Like Love Songs would be a fitting title for this batch of 10 songs? What's your take? Would that be too forced? I don't hate the title. It's a good title because it still fits because a lot of these songs are, like we said, even if they're not specifically a love song like about a person, they're like looking at the good and the bad and the beauty inside of some of these moments and stuff. But just the song itself to be the song that the album's named after and then to completely just ditch the entire rest of the album's vibe i did not care for it so it's more the song itself that i struggled with the title's fine it's just if you keep walls the same i would have changed the title to conversation piece and uh, okay another plug for the podcast that you're listening to already and this deep into and if you've made it this far (laughs) i really like that we're able to have that different perspective on it because some people are going to agree with me i hope and some people are going to agree with you if you're lucky. Probably not. And <laughs> <laughs> the overwhelming majority will disagree with both of us. I almost guarantee you. Yeah, probably. Listen, keep your hate tweets <laughs> to yourself, okay? We're just here for a good time. Or at least send them to him and not me. Hey, tweet all your hate tweets at Spin It Pod <laughs> on Twitter. 
Anyway, I think it's interesting that we have such a different take on the title track and the closing song. All right, so let's go ahead and start to wrap things up with a with a bow here. Sure. If you had to pick one song that is your ultimate favorite, for whatever reason, whether it's a musical part or a lyrical part, something that you like, didn't like, what was your favorite song on this album? Oh, I've, I, I narrowed it down to two. Okay. I, 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 well, I narrowed it down to two and a half. I'm going to give Wild an honorable mention because it was the song that got stuck in my head, but it was not my favorite. But it gets an honorable mention for implanting itself in my brain all night. Okay. That's, that's a good reason for an honorable mention. <laughs> Um, it really came down to, uh, uh, as I was listening through them, I'll kind of take you through my process. I hit over and I loved it. It was great. I didn't want it to end. It was awesome. I was so happy. It was the longest song Yeah. Uh, on the album. They, and I even wrote in the margin to that they really didn't want to say it was over. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, it was my current favorite going in. And then I hit conversation piece. And again, I really liked conversation piece and I put maybe my newest favorite in in my in my notes i couldn't decide if i liked it better than over but upon reflecting on and really you know soaking it in yeah marinating for a day i've got to give it to over i think over was my favorite song okay that's a good choice i think there's a lot going on in over both from a production standpoint and lyrically over has a nice build i mean it had that cool echo i loved it had the the lyrics with how they did the chorus was great and there was some very heavy hitting lines i loved the whole song yeah and it's the one i've really been wanting to listen to again yeah well we'll wrap this podcast up soon and then you'll be free hurry it up hurry up you'll be free (laughs) so I wouldn't fault anybody for saying any one of these 10 songs is their favorite on the album. I think all of them have different appeal. I would. You would? Yeah. If you pick if you pick uh, All Around the World, you just really like that line because that's all the song is. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, I'm, let me just change my uh, favorite song. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's such a tough call. My favorite song has always kind of been Reverend. Reverend's a decent pick. What I love about Reverend is the contrast in the, the musical themes, right? Yeah. When you start building into the chorus, it goes up in tone. It's got this upward momentum. And then the chorus keeps going down and down and then down farther than you'd expect. Mm-hmm. It uh, is a really interesting chord progression that I meant to talk about earlier. But it goes from a a one to a two minor to a six minor to a five to a four. So that six five four is what I really like. And I know that's a little technical for probably everyone who listens to this podcast. But I think you're just trying to show off that you can count. I can count pretty well. <laughs> so favorite songs. Good picks on favorite songs. Let's go ahead and wrap everything up with scores. When I listen to albums and score them on the spreadsheet, which we will have a link to in the description or on our social media somewhere. It's a very cool spreadsheet. It's it's a fun spreadsheet. It breaks everything down by album, by artist, all the scores. You can see exactly what the scores were. Everything's linked so you can go listen to it yourself. It's a very cool spreadsheet. That was my quarantine project in a lot of ways, was taking everything and making it look nice and link properly. And, and so, yeah. I don't know why I interrupted you there. Okay, you didn't have anything to say. You just wanted to say something. So I have all these categories ranked, and they're weighted differently. They're, the math is outlined on the spreadsheet. But overall, for Walls, I rate out of 100. And I think for me, I give Walls a 91.5. I think there's a lot to love sonically. There are a lot of unique pieces to each song. Nothing, like you said at the beginning, nothing ever feels the same, even though a lot of similar musical decisions are made 
They find good ways to keep things varied and interesting. Lyrically, I really like the thematic cohesiveness of everything. And it's a little abstract and a little weird at times with the WeHo, the rabbit on a chain, whatever. But I have to overlook all of that because some of these words just fit together so well, like a puzzle piece. You know, the drove a little slick car to 10 bar, like that was way overbearing for me. That took precedence over any of the, you know, lacking parts. So for me, that's a 91 and a half. I'd give it an A if I were grading it like a teacher. Sure, sure. What do you got? 91 and a half out of 100. It's not bad. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't have a very complicated system. I was just going to pretty much give it a score out of, out of 10. I would say I'd give this... I've been flirting back and forth. I was thinking about it all day, what I was going to rank it. And I think I'm going to rank it. I'll, uh, you know what? Over was so good. I'll, I'll bump it up. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. An 8 out of 10. I was going to give it a 7 just because of the songs that were so lyrically boring and repetitive. But Over uh, over is going to redeem you that point. And it'll get an 8 out of 10 from me. Okay. Uh, 8 out of 10 what? Stars, points, eight out. What's your uh, unit? Uh, eight out of t- um, um, eight moments wasted out of ten. Eight. How about that? Eight, eight moments, moments wasted, wasted out of ten. If you're wasting ten moments, uh, you may be wasting a little too much time. Yeah, I know the song begs you to waste a moment, but not to waste ten. Go <laughs> do something. That's a pretty respectable score. Eight out of ten, ninety-one point five out of hundred. I think we were we were near one another on scores, which is surprising because we did have some pretty controversial differences. Yeah, what you docked versus what I docked kind of equaled out. Yeah, they must have balanced. I think this was a good first episode. Yeah, it was. Hey, you guys who are listening to this. Those whole two of you. Thank you for coming and listening to us put our spin (laughs) on an album. Yeah, all two or three of you that have heard this test episode. Thanks for listening to us as we put our spin on this record. We hope you enjoyed it. You should be sure to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Our Twitter is at SpinItPod. Our Instagram is at SpinItPodOfficial. You can find this podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. Uh, you've probably already found it. Spotify, Apple, yeah, YouTube, all the goodies. If you're so inclined, be sure to check out that spreadsheet that we've linked. Yeah. You might find new music that you like. Who knows? And recommend us albums to do. Yeah, please. Tweet us album recommendations. I would love to listen to all the music that's ever been made, but we won't have time for that. So I want to make content that people want to listen to. Send us your suggestions, your recommendations. Stay tuned next week when we talk about The Stranger by Billy Joel. <gasps> ooh, yeah. ooh, The Stranger. I've been looking forward to that one. I have been too. A little teaser for all of you. Yeah, just a small Next episode, The Stranger. Little nugget. Little nugget. Little nugget of tease. A little nugget of tease. I, w- I would like to update my units to eight nuggets of tease out of ten, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not allowed. We've already rated it. We can't change the system. Oh, no, I'm locked in. The conversion rate I'm is all in. off. Oh, yeah, yeah, conversion yeah, that makes sense. So anyway, we're going to shut things down now, but we will hope to see you next week. Shut hope you've had a great down. time. How does one end a podcast? <laughs> I don't know. Let's just keep rambling and fade it out. No, know? I don't think we should do that. <laughs> what we'll do in our non-test episodes. Our writing department didn't come up with a good catchphrase. Not in time for, us, for the so. test episode. So we're going to yeah. have to insert a catchphrase some other time in the future episodes. Oh. What do you think? Let's make make a prediction. What do you think the catchphrase the writing department will come up with is? Keep spinning. Till next time, keep spinning. Keep spinning. Till next time, keep spinning. That's right. It's not bad. It's not bad. Better than what I was going to come up with. (laughs) 